0: Welcome to David Clark's We Are Superman Podcast, episode number 269. I am your host, Bill Stahl. We've talked a few times to organ transplant recipients, and we'll do so again soon, but today we've got a great conversation with a kidney donor. I met Mike Kennedy while I was volunteering in June at the Leadville Heavy Half and Marathon. He had come out from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and as we got to talking, I found out about his organ donation. As you heard me describe earlier, it was a sloppy, snowy, muddy, epic sort of weather day, but I was surprised when I saw Mike cross the heavy half finish line in 11th place overall in 2 hours, 30 minutes, and 20 seconds. He was also third in the men's 30 to 39 age group. This was less than two years after he donated one of his kidneys to an anonymous recipient to indirectly help his mother-in-law, who had been on dialysis for many years while waiting for a kidney transplant herself. A sort of give a penny, take a penny dish arrangement that is common in these cases where the wait list for a new kidney kidney usually stretches for years. Mike had even completed a half Ironman triathlon only a year after his donation. Subsequent to Leadville, on July 23rd of this year, Mike completed the full Ironman triathlon in Lake Placid, New York in a very impressive 13 hours, 18 minutes, and 49 seconds. Mike can obviously describe from first-hand knowledge, as he does with me, how easy it is to donate a kidney and lead a normal life and beyond with one kidney. He was back to his usual training in just a month after his donation and helped out another human being in the process. Mike also got to see firsthand that dialysis is tough and needed kidneys are scarce, and he altruistically jumped in to do something to make a huge difference in someone's life. I think you'll be as wowed by this guy as I am. After listening to Mike, if you would like to consider a kidney donation yourself, go to kidneyregistry.org. I consider Mike a hero, and speaking of heroes, the American Heroes Run is coming up September 8th and 9th in Longmont, Colorado. It is David Clark's brainchild. This is the 14th year. It honors first responders and military veterans and service people and the lives lost on 9-11. He's got races. We've got races, I should say, that stretch from 5K to 9.11 miles, half marathon, marathon, uh, 24 hours and 100 miles. And did you know, if if it's too late for you to get signed up, you you know, you can't make it out here to Colorado, which is a shame. It's beautiful in September here, but – You can do this virtually. Uh, Go to ultrasignup.com. You can sign up to do the race virtually wherever you are. You can do any of those race distances, and you will get all the same stuff, swag that anybody who's running it here in Longmont will be able to to get as well. And if you run virtually, you'll also be supporting Warriors Ascent, the group that uh, I was part of at at Leadville, the Team Leadville group. Uh, running to Support Warriors Ascent, which uh, helps first responders and military veterans who are dealing with post-traumatic stress symptoms. Um, great organization, so um, half the money that we bring in from the American Heroes Run will go to that. So again, if you go to ultrasignup.com, you can be involved with a great, great uh, event that David created with the motto of Patriotism Without Politics certainly we can all get behind that so september 8th and 9th in longmont colorado you can do the virtual run anytime in the month of september and we will send you out all the same swag as everybody else well thank you very much appreciate your support of the american heroes run and here now is mike kennedy and me Hey, Mike. Uh, good morning here. Good afternoon to you over there. How you doing?
1: Hey, Bill. I'm well. How are you?
0: Uh, doing great. Uh, it's a beautiful Colorado morning here. And um, yeah, we've had uh, just a lot of rain and hasn't been too hot. So uh, how's, how's it been over? You're in Bethlehem, PA, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's finally getting some rain now. It was pretty dry and hot here for a while. So it's cooled down and uh, the lawn and garden is finally growing again.
0: Oh, that's good, <laughs> man! Uh, my, my lawn, my whole backyard, just looks like a jungle. It is just unbelievable how overgrown things are this year. I mean, uh-huh. we we exceeded our annual rainfall here in in the Denver area like a month ago. And, oh wow! Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty insane how much we've had, and it just continues to rain. Now we're in the monsoon season, which means we get those afternoon thunderstorms too. So, um, mm-hmm. if you need mushrooms, I'm happy to send them to you. Yeah, what kind do you have? Uh, lawn mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they're edible. Probably not. Yeah. Lots of them. So, (laughs) oh, well, well, good. Well, for those who don't know where Bethlehem is, it's kind of uh, tucked up there in the northeastern part of the state, right?
1: Yep. The Lehigh Valley kind of near the Delaware water gap, just across from Jersey. Right. Uh, So this is about an hour and a half from where I grew up in New Jersey, uh, I grew up in Raleway. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, spent, you know, some – I mean, I lived there for 20-something years and then uh, lived in Lynnhurst, New Jersey, which is near where the Giants and Jet Stadium yep. are in, you know, Rutherford, East Rutherford. And,
0: of, of, cu- uh, of course, what, what does that sound well known for?
1: East Rutherford?
0: No, no. Uh, or Lynnhurst. Lynnhurst,
1: yeah. Uh
0: Oh, come on. You know, that, that that was the site of the famous Hindenburg disaster, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was trying to think of something like less well-known, but. um, Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, lived in, in New Brunswick, New Jersey, you know, where Rutgers is. Right. Uh, there's an awesome towpath that goes from there down to Trenton. Uh, and then, yeah, out to Washington for a couple of years. And then now in Pennsylvania, cool, cool. closer to family.
0: Yeah. So are you a good Giants fan, I hope?
1: Uh, A closet Giants fan.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, most of us have to hide in the closet because it is pretty embarrassing (laughs) rooting for them all these years. Oh, my God. I'm afraid my Yankees are as embarrassing as the Giants are these days. Mm I was last night likening my my Giants fandom to uh, the way the Yankees are right now. Uh, (laughs) That's bad. Yeah. Yeah, good. What do you do over there in Bethlehem?
1: Well, now I am a stay-at-home dad. Uh, I'm a teacher by training. Right. Uh, I've done uh, some teaching in Jersey, Washington, and Pennsylvania, and uh, I stay at home with my four-year-old daughter now. And we have a baby coming next month in September. So,
0: wow, okay, uh,
1: I'll be continuing to stay home for the foreseeable future, I guess.
0: Right. Well, I guess it's a darn good thing you've gotten a couple of these athletic uh, feats out of the way before then, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's the my wife reminds me that this will be the last one for a while. So <laughs> make it make it count.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, although you know it's funny, um I ha- I was coaching a guy this summer. I, I I used to coach him years ago in basketball when he was in high school, but um, they were expecting a child and he wanted to break the five-minute mile one time before this new arrival came. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he, they had the baby and he's like, hey, you know what? I had 30 days of paternity leave. And uh, he said, yeah, I've, I found time to continue to do some training after that. And, you know, he's, it's, it, it wasn't completely um, – a complete washout on his conditioning. So uh, there might be time. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I'm sure I'll still find an hour here and there to, to get a run or a bike ride in, but yeah, not going to be devoting, you know, Ten to twenty hours a week anymore? Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be a little different. <laughs> a little different, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess you guys are smart. Uh, you being the stay-at-home, being that you are on a teacher's salary, so you, you didn't give up as much as uh, hopefully your wife is hopefully bringing in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, she's a radiologist, so we're. Oh, there you go. We're covered for the for the time being,
0: <laughs> right? Until she has to go out on maternity leave, there, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Well, good. Well, uh, um, you, you, have stayed true to the area there, which is good there. That's, uh, I mean that Delaware water gap, by the way, for those who don't know, is a beautiful area. Um, I used to go to summer camp up in that area and, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, it was near, uh, Damascus, which is kind of ironic. You've got a Bethlehem and a Damascus, um, uh, you know, a summer camp in the Poconos and we'd go down uh-huh. the Delaware water gap, you know, do, do canoeing trips and, um, I remember there used to be a rope, a tire swing off of the uh, off a bridge that went over the Delaware River there.
1: Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Oh God, I'm amazed we didn't die. To be honest, (laughs) Uh, I mean, um, I I went back there. I I happened to pass by that same spot some years ago, and I looked at that. It's like. Whoa, we dropped from like 50 feet up into water that was a foot deep. Like, what the hell? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's yeah. like, I don't know, maybe the water was higher then or something. I yeah, hopefully. Know. Yeah, but I'm like, holy crap, it's amazing we didn't die when we were kids.
1: <laughs> and the, we also have Emmaus and Nazareth yes. in this area as well, so it's a lot of, a lot of biblical names.
0: Yep, yep. Um, Yeah. I uh, would, but
1: I would, yeah, I mean, the, the Delaware water gap is kind of like our, our version of the mountains around here, yeah. which, you know, I've been to Colorado many times and, uh, you know, just obviously doesn't compare here to the Rockies or even in Washington state, you get the C- Cascade range oh, yeah. Mount Rainier. Uh, so my heart definitely belongs in, you know, the West coast, but this is where family is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I get it. Well, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I have a uh, cousin who was a general manager of a radio station in, hmm, I want to say Honesdale, maybe. Um, same area around there, though. But in any case. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you you obviously stayed close to your family because that's kind of a main reason why we're even talking today here. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, having to do with the fact that um, you uh, gave up a body part for a family member, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, a few... Two years ago, uh, I donated my kidney uh, to go towards uh, my mother-in-law. I was not a direct match with her, you know, blood type-wise and uh, everything else. So the way the kidney program works is if I donate a kidney to someone else, um, that actually created a chain, uh, which I think it was four people uh, on the chain. So oh, wow. you know, my kidney went, went to someone in Massachusetts and then from Massachusetts, it went down to, um, I think it was actually Pennsylvania. And then from Pennsylvania went to like Michigan. So it was kind of bouncing, you know, from one person to the next, I mean, not the same kidney, obviously, but right, right. you know, <laughs> one, one donor, uh, to, to the next. And, um,
0: yeah, it's like and a so penny dish when, there, right? Once
1: I donate Yeah,
0: it's like the sorry. penny dish, you know, give give a kidney, take a kidney. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, that creates a voucher. Once I donate my kidney to right. uh to this person, that creates a voucher for my mother-in-law, and now that bumps her up on the list to get a kidney from a living donor. And she had a, a I don't want to say a rare blood type, but her she was difficult to match with, so it took her a while to get a kidney, but eventually she did about, uh, like four or five months after I donated mine. Wow. And that was after she had been on dialysis for four years, I believe. Um, and then, and this was also her second transplant. So her first transplant was 10 years ago and that was, Oh no! I'm sorry. Her first transplant was 15 years ago. Oh, really? And she was on dia- on dialysis for a few years until you know waiting for that first kidney transplant, and then you know that lasted whatever it was, eight to 10 years, and then she was on you know dialysis again, waiting for the second transplant. So, uh, yeah, she's had a rough go. And so,
0: so did they replace the transplanted kidney basically or or did they take out her original you know her second kidney
1: that's a good question i don't know if i probably the transplanted one yeah i i would think (laughs) um yeah and even the reason i was thinking about doing this i mean i met my wife you know when i met my wife my mother-in-law was still with her good first transplant her first transplant kidney was still good and you know, I kind of knew it was a matter of time before she was going to go back on dialysis and gonna need another kidney. And so it was always something I was sort of preparing for or thinking about because you know, maybe 25 years ago, uh, my dad donated his kidney to someone he didn't know, really. Uh, it, it was just an anonymous donation, he didn't do it as like a voucher you know he didn't like you know get it so he could apply that voucher to like a family member or anything like that yeah uh he just did it because i think he was reading a magazine one time and he saw you know whoever wrote this article you know was on dialysis needed a kidney and my dad wanted to donate to that person they he wasn't a match with that person but he realized that there are a lot of people who need this uh who need kidneys and, you know, other vital organs that you know are just waiting for them on yeah. dialysis. And,
0: um, wow, that's awesome that he did that. So that, that yes. was,
1: yeah, it's just like altruistic yeah. donation.
0: Right. So, uh, you know, let, let's say you donated your kidney and then your mother-in-law never got hers for whatever reason. Um, would you have kind of felt a little ripped off or it was like, nah eh, well, at least it's going uh, somewhere.
1: so yeah i I guess i'm a little torn in that way um i mean i'm happy it went to somebody who needed it and you know they benefited and that created you know the chain with uh so you know in in that way uh that is you know just creating a lot of uh good change in the world so from that perspective it's good uh on the other hand you know, I would want like the mo- you know maximum amount of uh, benefit to come out of this donation. So, yes, like it would be good if that voucher was used. Um What I didn't realize, and I, I guess maybe I wasn't advised properly, was that I didn't need to name only my mother-in-law as like the sole person who could have gotten it. I could have actually listed five people.
0: Hmm. All right.
1: But. I think when I was doing it, I was sort of instructed to go, it's called like the paired exchange. Yeah. So like I donate to somebody and somebody donates to my mother-in-law. Right. But that's not exactly how it went. So she actually didn't get a kidney from a living donor. It was because of how long she had to wait for this, this kidney. It came from a deceased donor, someone who had passed away uh, like on the operating table, essentially. Oh, wow. And, and the family wanted to donate the organ. So my voucher is still out there. Uh, I, you know, wanted to do, you know donate for my mother-in-law, but right. it, it ended up just going to this one person. So the voucher is still out there. So I asked my kidney coordinator, like, Oh, do you think I could uh, give this, you know, just kind of retroactively list the five people as if I hadn't just mentioned my mother-in-law. And then they said, well, the way the rules are right now, we can't change it. We can't go back and say you want to list five people, but that might change in the future. And, you know, don't get too worried about it right now because it's not really, you don't really need to use the voucher for any, person at this yeah. point. So I said, okay.
0: Well I mean like you don't really know five people on dialysis right now, do you? No, not really. But like, you know, I could
1: list my daughter, my wife, just like people that sure. may need it in the future. Gotcha. So yeah, thankfully I don't know five people on dialysis. No, no, I was <laughs>
0: gonna say that'd be pretty insane, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, what your mother-in-law has is a potentially hereditary where maybe it did pass to your um, your wife and your daughter, you know? I mean, that's where the that yeah, voucher yeah. would be a nice thing to have in the bank, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I guess maybe that's why some people are hesitant to donate is because they think, oh, well, you know, if my wife ever needed it, you know, I would give it to right. her. Um, I guess, you know, that was in my mind as well, but I thought, you know, my wife is healthy. She takes care of herself. And, You know, not that my mother-in-law didn't or other people don't, uh, but, you know, I prayed about it and, you know, I just felt like that was what God was calling me to at that time.
0: Yeah. Hmm. You know, I know people like bank their stem cells. I mean, but literally there's a place to put those. I mean, it'd be kind of funny if they said, well, sorry, Mike, your your kidney wasn't a match. We'll put it in the freezer for the next guy who needs it or something, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) That would be wild. Well, they do put it on ice, you know, to transport it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know that only lasts so long.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. So um, now, now before you did this transplant, were you a, a an endurance athlete? I mean, that's something you were already doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was something I was was maybe not concerned about, but uh, something I was thinking about because yeah, yeah. I, I have done. Uh, you know, mostly running has been an important part of my life ever since high school. I. You know ran cross country and track in high school cross country and track in college and then after college uh, I got into some marathons and then a buddy of mine from high school uh, his name's Andrew he ran he actually lived in Colorado for a while okay uh, and he's done you know, the Leadville hundred and Good man. Uh, anyway his first ultra marathon was on the Ozarks in Missouri and I went out to crew for him and uh yeah you know, I ran. I think it was 25 miles with him and, you know, to, as a pacer. And, uh, you know, he was, this is like the toughest guy, like I ever knew. And this, you know, was his first a hundred mile race and it like broke him. He did finish, but like, it just like destroyed his body. And I was like shocked, at, like the difficulty of this type of race. I was like, I'm never doing one of these. <laughs> and, you know, as it goes with a lot of things, time passes and kind of forget about the, the pain of it and things like that. And, um, and so the couple years later, uh, he was deployed to Afghanistan and then he said, Oh, when I come back, we should do a race together. And so I said, Oh yeah, let's do like the Leadville 50. That'd be, you know, a good thing to like, for me to shoot for. Right. Uh, so the first, a couple, um, a few months before the Leadville 50, I did a 50 miler in New Jersey, you know, pretty flat. And, uh, and then, and then Leadville, you know, we both did the race. He got third, I think. (laughs) Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I I did pretty decent as well, like top 15 or something,
0: but, uh,
1: Yeah. For a couple of Flatlanders,
0: that's impressive. Yeah.
1: That was, uh, yeah, just the the mountains are beautiful. Like running around, I was like oh, you know, I was you know obviously pushing myself to like run a good time or be competitive, so I didn't want to like stop and take pictures. But uh, <laughs> I would have liked to just enjoy the scenery. Yeah, yeah, and, that's that's, and, that's uh, the
0: one problem running ultras. You know, it's it's beautiful, and sometimes you have to force yourself to stop and take in a view. I mean. Um, it, it's like hope pass in the Leadville 100 people always tell me what a wonderful, mystical, beautiful place it is. And I'm like, huh? It's just a nasty old, you know, you know what? <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. cause that's all I've ever seen It's just me trying to plot up that damn trail. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Yep. You got, you got to stop and uh, smell the flowers and enjoy the view every now and then. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've also done, you know, over 10 marathons, you know, New York, Boston, DC, uh, I did a couple, one marathon in Washington state when I lived out there. I did the California international marathon the same year. Oh, cool. Um, And so after all these marathons, you know, I was, and I I actually did after the year after the Leadville 50, I did a hundred miler in New Jersey. And, and, you know, that was also, you know, the hardest thing I ever did at that point. Yeah. And I say, Oh, the, the only other hundred I'll ever do is the Leadville 100. so really it's still on, still on my list
0: okay well how, and how, uh, where did they have the one in Jersey that you did
1: it was just south of Stoke State Park in Augusta
0: I don't it's know where like, that is yeah
1: like North Jersey okay I think it's they call it like the state fairgrounds so yeah. gotcha a 10 mile loop you do 10 times
0: ooh so All right. you get a used to it mental challenge get right?
1: Used to t- yeah right yeah Better better than one mile loop, which I've heard some courses have.
0: Uh, are you picking on me? <laughs> that, have you
1: done those races?
0: Um, well, I don't know if you see, I'm wearing my American Heroes Run shirt here. This is the race that David Clark had started. You know, we started this podcast, but th- this was his brainchild, and I've been directing it the last three. This will be the fourth year I'm doing it. Um, and it is a 1.05 mile loop. Wow, and um, we've got races starting a five k through a hundred miles. So if you're doing the hundred mile, you're doing ninety eight loops on that course. Wow, yeah. Um, the one advantage is you're passing the aid station every mile. So yeah, there you go. You don't have to carry anything out there. The bathrooms there, you know, whatnot. But um, but it is definitely a different kind of mental challenge for sure. Yeah, easy to spectate I'm Sure. Oh yeah, no, it's it's great for people to come out, and if they just want to, you know pace somebody for a couple laps they can do that take a rest and you know whatever so yeah there there are some advantages to it um as a race director it's about the easiest course in the world to set up i mean that's the nice thing i mean you set up one aid station and you know like i say one mile of markings so from that standpoint it's great nice yeah (laughs) but in any case uh, you did the 10 mile yeah as i was
1: yeah as i was saying the uh yeah Endurance races is very much a part of like my identity, and uh, and I also wanted to give this gift of my kidney, and uh, you know I was just like thinking, you know, what, when is the best time to do it? Uh, you know, because I mentioned when I moved out to Washington, so I was like, do I donate before going out there, while I'm out there? Because well, you know, while I lived in Washington, my mother-in-law was still on dialysis and she actually came to visit us hmm. in Washington and right. she had to go to the dialysis while she was there. So, was, sure. uh, you know, pa- painful to to watch her go through this. And once we moved back to the East coast, when my daughter turned one, I felt like that was the time to to start looking into it. So, uh, in 2020 is that when I moved back that summer, I actually had surgery uh, from a running injury uh, in August of 2020, and then I in my kidney in August of 2021. Okay. So two years ago at this point. Um, and that was, you know, something I was, didn't take lightly, a decision I didn't take lightly because, uh, I mean, I knew, it was, I was hoping it was going to have a profound impact in someone's life. Not all the, you know, the transplants aren't always successful. Uh, you know, sometimes the recipient rejects the kidney and, you know, things just go, go awry. Uh, so I was, you know, hoping everything would go well on both ends, you know, both for the recipient and then for my mother-in-law and, you know, I never heard anything from the recipient, uh, but I kind of heard through my coordinator that she didn't hear anything either. So like no news is good news. Yeah right uh and so but the the big part uh that i was that had reservations about was you know my own physical stamina and ability to continue doing these types of events that that i enjoy doing and training of course for and uh and you know there, there are stories uh of other people who have donated their kidney and, you know, gone on to do cool things. Like there's a website called donor athletes and, and there's, you know, stories of people doing phenomenal things on there. Uh, you know, amazing feats. And there's also, uh, a competition called, I think it's called donor games. So it's kind of like CrossFit games, but for people who have donated their kidney and,
0: well, I mean, isn't there like a, a donor Olympics or something? I, I thought I'd heard about that, or maybe it's a transplant Olympics. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. About. I
1: think yeah, it's transplant. So I think that's yeah, for yeah. the re- for the recipients. I yeah. Believe. yeah, I believe. Right. Yeah, I think you're right about that, uh, which is pretty awesome. Yes. For sure. So for me, the tra- the donation, you know, the recovery initially was was tough. Just kind of getting over surgery and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Tell tell, tell Uh, us, you know, what was that like? I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's not an instantaneous process. It's not like an outpatient procedure where you, you, you leave the hospital and they say, well, you're on crutches for a week and then you're, it's not quite like that, is it?
1: Sure. And, but even going into the, the donation, uh, it's not like you tell them, you know, I want to come in on Tuesday to donate my kidney and they put you on the schedule right yeah you, know, you you need to go through a whole evaluation uh over i think it's two days uh involving uh a, a psych evaluation you know there's blood work that they do you know they check all the the vital signs you know blood pressure and you know making sure there's no like hypertension or right you know there's a lot of questions that they ask you make you know family history and um what what do they, have they to, what
0: what do they want to know in the psych eval?
1: Just to make sure like you're not being coerced into doing this and that you're, you know, of sound mind and you're doing that for the right reasons and, you know, asking questions about, you know, my relationship with my mother-in-law and, you know, kind of stuff like that Uh, because they – yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm not – being
0: forced. To yeah. yeah. Like or make sure nobody, you, you don't think somehow somebody promised you 10 grand for your kidney or something. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Cause in the black market, I'm sure you could do pretty well. right?
0: Um, you, you know, I was running in some places in South Africa this past uh, holidays there where, I'm pretty sure you probably could have bought some organs on the, uh, on the street out there. I, I don't wow. know. It was, it was about as sketchy as you can get. I I'm surprised the signs didn't say, you know, I mean, it said, you know, safe abortions, penis enlargement, don't lose your lover. Surprised the fourth line wasn't, um, you know, Hey, free, you know, cheap, cheap organs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fits right in. Yeah. Uh,
1: and so, in addition to those things, they also had to do a 24 hour urine collection. Mm. Uh so I had to, you know, call yeah, you know, every time I went to the bathroom I have to collect it, you know, put it in a jar and then I brought it with me on the day of like the physical evaluation and uh I filled two three liter jugs <laughs> and they were like pretty shocked at how much I right. gave them because that was you know quite a lot.
0: Uh, and then but, they got to make sure you didn't go around the neighborhood. Hey, could you make a donation and fill my jugs for them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, collect
1: them. Uh, and then, you know, they have to do like blood work checks every so often to see if the creatinine levels are in the, the right range, as well as, you know, a bunch of other uh, metrics for, you know, different levels. Uh, and the one time, I think this might've been in the, after I donated, maybe six months after I donated, they, uh, they did, you know, just a, a regular blood work. And the day before blood work, I did a hard bike workout and run workout, like back to back. And then, so the next day, you know, I went for my, uh, blood sample and, uh, and it got sent off to their lab. And then they came back as my creatinine was like double what it should have been. You know, like there's a lot of protein in my blood. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, well yeah, that's that's a bad sign. What what's like do I need to like go to the hospital? And like like I was getting a little bit worried. And then um my wife said, Well, yesterday didn't you do a hard bike and run workout? And I was like, Oh yeah, I did. And she said, I probably, you know, released more protein into your muscle, you know, from your muscles into your bloodstream. I was like, oh yeah, it's yeah. so I had to wait like a week or two just like so my baseline sort of leveled out.
0: Well, you know, I don't know if you you found this, but I found that in working with doctors on a couple of things I've had where um, they're not very knowledgeable about endurance athletes and how it affects blood tests and, and other markers in our body. I mean, you know, as I told you, my the foot surgery I had last week was actually postponed for two weeks because at mm-hmm. the last minute, the anesthesiologist freaked out over my low heart rate. And it wasn't, that, <laughs> and it wasn't until my surgeon told the guy like, Hey, he's, he's good. You know, this is just, he's an endurance athlete. Um, I had the same issue. Um, you're not maybe, well, n- maybe old enough yet, but you, you're familiar with the PSA test that men have to get tested mm-hmm. for. Well, um, my number kept rising, 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 rising to the point that the docs said, my GP said, Hey, you need to maybe go get a biopsy here because this is a potentially, you may have prostate cancer. And, um, As it turns out, and I've found this out on my own, but my, even these sophisticated doctors didn't know, apparently endurance athletes, particularly ultra runners, tend to have high PSAs. Mm-hmm. and um the theory is maybe because we're jostling around a lot or whatever but um but as a result it it gave them a reading that you know alarmed them and in the end I probably didn't need to go through all this other crap that they put me through but again oh, wow. it's just it's one of those small niches in the world that doctors don't know a lot about and that's probably the same thing that happened with you I would guess
1: yeah ultra runners i uh i or or endurance athletes are are not representative of the population.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> so did Bill, what a- is
1: your, what is your resting heart rate?
0: Uh, you ready for this? It, it, it's in the upper twenties. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty insane. I've never, <laughs> every, every cardiologist, whatever says they've never heard oh of anything gosh. like this yet. Yeah, it's, Um, I went through a whole regimen of testing a year ago this time. Um, I did the echocardiogram, I did the stress test. I even wore a heart monitor that, um, I ran a half marathon at 8,000 feet and wearing and, um, and after all that, I see the head cardiologist, the electrical specialist, and he says, I wish you'd come to see me in the first place. I would have told you not to go through all that. I would have told you you're fine. Uh-huh. So, yeah, but it. But every time I went to one of those appointments, the tech who would kind of check you in would immediately run out of the room. I go, where are you going? They go, your heart rate's too low. I got to go get the doctor right now. And it's like, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean I have. Yeah, you
1: would think after a while they would catch on, right?
0: Yeah, I know, but I have had a couple incidents where I've blacked out, and so um, it does oh. it does raise concern because um, you know, I, I don't know if you ever heard of the vagal nerve response.
1: I've heard of it. I'm not sure what it is.
0: Yeah, so the the vagus nerve, um, basically, uh, let's say you eat spicy food and you know you break out in a sweat. Well, the vagal nerve reaction kicks in to slow your heart rate down. Problem is, my heart's got nowhere to go. So I I blacked out and uh, I I was in Las Vegas, uh, you know, one time I'd been eating a bunch of uh, oysters on the half shell with the cocktail sauce with the Tabasco and the horseradish, just wolfing them down. And um, next thing I remember was waking up in the ambulance and... um, and then uh halfway to the hospital, I said to these guys, hey, you know what? I feel great right now. Can you guys let me out? And they're yeah. like, no, 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 we got to take you. And they get me in the hospital and they re- they said, hey, you've blacked out. So we-, we wanted to get you on the treadmill, but you know, we're a little afraid. So we're going to give you a drug to simulate you doing a workout. And, okay. uh, and all of a sudden I hear, Mildred, get over here. You're not going to believe this. Arlene, check this out. And I said, so said, when are you guys going to you know give me this drug and start this test? And they go, Mister, we already gave it to you. Your heart rate's supposed to be 140 right now. We could only get your heart rate up to 41. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, wow.
0: So it, it is pretty fun. That's but, certainly
1: an anomaly. Wow.
0: Yeah, no, but it's uh, yeah. So uh, after my surgeon talked to the anesthesiologist and told him, look, he's fine. I uh, somehow survived another surgery here last week. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had not. In the- quite the same way, but after I donated my kidney, you know, every 12 hours is a new nurse that comes in check on me. And, uh, the start of the, one of the shifts, the nurse came in and, you know, taken my vitals and, and saw my heart rate was, yeah, like in the forties and almost was going to like, you know, contact like the head nurse and, you know, you know get a little bit panicky, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's like normal for me and you know then he went back and checked all the up you know my previous numbers and
0: yeah,
1: uh, and then decided that was you know. That was in range.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, I was curious about one thing though, Mike, um, when you decided to donate your kidney, was it a matter of like, Hey, let's set up a date with the, uh, you know, wherever you had the, the procedure done, or was it like, no, we're going to wait till we have this specific need where, you know, cause we've decided you're, you're a match for certain people here and like, Hey, we know this person right now, come on in and do it now. I mean, was it, was it more them dictating the schedule or you?
1: Yeah, it was. Me telling them a time frame when you know I think it was a two week time frame, which I could come in any you know any time, and then they would let me know about a week before when it would be. And my initial surgery was actually scheduled for my birthday, uh, August second, in twenty twenty one, and a few days before I was supposed to go to the hospital, the person. I didn't get much details, uh, on, on it, but they said, you know, the person wasn't eligible anymore Mm. for that transplant. So then it was like, you know, sort of back to the drawing board, just, you know, wait longer. And so I was starting a new job in September. And so I wanted enough time to be able to, you know, recover before that's, you know, as, as a teacher before the school year started and, uh, you know, not long after the initial phone call that canceled the first, the first uh, date, uh, they they called and said it was going to be about a week late later. So August tenth on twenty twenty one is when the surgery happened, and yeah, the I woke up in more pain than I was expecting. Uh, you know, I have somewhat of a high pain tolerance, I I think, and you know, I'm sure the there's a few women who will be rolling their eyes right now thinking you never went through childbirth.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, But but we we endurance athletes do have it. I guess women who've run uh, ultra marathons and been through childbirth, that's probably like the the top of the heap right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I, I was in more pain than I was expecting and they, I don't know if it was the surgeon or, or who told me that I had, you know, so the incision, well, actually went through my um my stomach like through my I'm not going to pull up my shirt but it's like <laughs> right around the the belly button area okay and so it used to be like more on the side here that's where my my dad's scar is yeah um why, well, why the move is, now do you know uh so th- they used to do it through two sites i guess they would do um like they would Cut one hole for the cameras and mm. the other hole to take the kidney out, but now they do it's a single site, so they just cut you open right in the middle and they stretch it out. And <laughs> you know, they're able to kind of do everything with the cameras and just reaching out, yeah, uh, pulling it out. Uh, so they said, I guess they had to cut through like you know, kind of my my abdomen and the, mu- the my muscles are. I guess thicker the abdomen muscles than other people, maybe. So it was you know, just more more tissue or whatever right. that they had to cut through. So that's why it was more painful than maybe I was expecting. And uh
0: well, anytime you cut through abdominal muscle, I mean it doesn't have to be a kidney transplant, but you know, for whatever, I, I know I know that's a tough recovery from that. So but uh damn all that core you did that made those abdominal muscles so strong, right? Yeah. I mean
1: the <laughs> It's kind of ironic because the year before when I had the other surgery, uh, it was because my abdominal muscles were not strong enough. Yeah. I had, uh, that in 2019, I had done two marathons and so maybe I just wasn't resting enough, but I think I was also running more than I was doing like core exercises and things like that. Mm. And, um, so things just got a little out of balance, I think, and I tore my rectus abdominis, which is my you know the lower six pack ab muscle, and then my also yeah. my left adductor. Yeah,
0: so they needed to, yeah,
1: re, re, yeah. So it was like kind of two abdominal surgeries in a way, back to back years. Yikes! But um, yeah. Within two weeks after the surgery, I, you know, the kidney surgery, I was feeling you know a lot better, and then. You know, I think four weeks after the surgery, I was back to running wow. and, you know, kind of normal activities.
0: Is that a pretty quick recovery? It sounds like it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they say six weeks. Yeah. You should wait to do everything. But, you know, within four weeks, I was fine. And uh,
0: so when so you was, said that was yeah, we,
1: 2021. So then uh, after that. I decided. All right, it's time to sign up. For, you know, for the next event, test the, <laughs> right, test this this body out and see how it responds. So I, um, in 2022, uh, in the summer, I did a half Ironman in Mont Tremblant, which is in Canada, yeah, just north of Montreal, and uh, yeah, so I, you know, trained for about uh, four or five months for that race and. You know, did well there. Um, And then after that, I decided okay, like, you know, a bucket list item that, you know, yeah. I didn't know when I was going to try to do this or, you know, what the right timing would be, but, you know, I want to do a full Ironman. Right. And a buddy of mine had done Lake Placid back in 2017. And, you know, it was just like an amazing atmosphere there, very beautiful area uh, up in the Adirondacks. And, so yeah, I, I thought I could do. I wanted to do that, that race. So that was uh, July twenty third, twenty twenty three. So about two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I I did that race, and yeah, I finished. So that was, you know, a big goal, right? Of mine, just to to finish. I had a time goal in mind. You know, I thought I would finish, but yeah, uh, I had a time goal in mind, and. I guess I didn't fully take into account the the hills <laughs> that I would be right. riding and running on. Uh fortunately but, the swim is pretty flat.
0: Yeah, yeah, the swim's usually the, flat and I was going to say I think it was a hot day but again the swim wasn't affected too much by that either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so I, I knew it was going to be hilly and you know a buddy my buddy who did the race Few years prior, said, you know, just take it easy. Like, you know, don't, don't ride too hard in the beginning of the race. So that was the mindset I had, but I guess the adrenaline took over a little bit and, sure you know, went out a, probably a little too hard on the bike. And within 30 miles, I already started feeling my hamstrings start to tighten up a little bit as if you're, you know, just about to start cramping. right? And so I had to back off just more fluids, slow down a little bit and and so I didn't cramp, but like for the last 80 miles of the bike, I just felt like that cramp was just coming in any second. Yeah, so I yeah. Was like, yeah. Yeah. I was happy, but it's also like torture at the same time. Like, oh, when is this going to come? Uh,
0: but that's a horrible feeling, then, isn't it? I, I've been yeah. there too many times. Yeah. And so, so w- w- you, you said you, you were having to drink a lot. Obviously, it, was that related at all to having one kidney, or th- th- you think that's uh, not relevant?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people with two kidneys probably need to drink a lot uh, in an Ironman. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but in general, I need to stay well hydrated. You know, I did ask my uh, the surgeon who performed my uh, the kidney surgery, and I guess it's called a nephrectomy. He, I said, you know, are there any precautions I should take going into the race in training for the race? And his only response was hydration is key. So, all right, I tried, you know, tried to live by that and you know to stay hydrated, not just with water, but you know electrolytes as well. Because uh, I have a friend who just did the Leadville fifty mountain bike, uh, and he was hydrating the whole week with just water, uh, and within a few miles of the start of the race, he cramped up because his electrolytes were not in balance.
0: Uh, I was just going to guess uh, that, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. So that was good to know going, you know, into my race just to kind of keep it, you know, balanced with the water. And, uh, I had um, a nutrition, uh, the nutrition I was using was it's called infinite. Uh, uh, I had never heard of it before, but it was recommended to me by an Ironman coach. Uh, she was like talking to me about nutrition and she said, this is good for like calories and, uh, you know, electrolytes and, so, just to kind of have that on the on the bike, yeah, and then the lake Pla- the lake placid race is uh is two loops, so you know two fifty six mile loops, yeah, and after the first loop, you can you have a bag that you can you know kind of re- restock and replenish you know nutrition and bottles and food and yeah you know, whatever i took a, a couple of motrin as well, which. Is not the best for kidneys, you know, cause I think your kidneys process yeah, like like ibuprofen, <laughs> but right. I had Tylenol stashed later on for the run. So I needed to kind of spread it out. But anyway, uh, yeah. so I, I had to swap out the bottles, uh, after, you know, at the halfway point Yeah, the bike. And, um, so that, yeah, that was just being cognizant, uh, uh, and aware of, of my, um, of my hydration was was an important part of not cramping up and you know doing my best that day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ne- did the nephrologist also say besides hydration that maybe electrolytes and other fueling is going to be more critical for you?
1: Um, I think that was probably implied.
0: Yeah. In his okay
1: r- three word response.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, I saw that your your overall time was thirteen eighteen, and and by the way, it was uh, it was not easy to research you with as common a name as you have. Um, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm I'm a journalist at heart. I usually do a very deep dive before I get into these interviews, and um, yeah, you, but th- these were the only two results I could find on Athlinks was the uh, Leadville uh, he- heavy half, and then the. Um, and then this Ironman here in Lake Placid. But the thing said, and I, I was trying to figure out if this could possibly be true, um, your swim took an, an hour and 18, but then it said you were first in both the bike and the marathon portion. And I thought, well, I don't know, his marathon portion was 431. That doesn't sound like a first place time there for, no, for your age group. I, but I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Yeah.
1: What, what sources you had, but... Uh, well, it was just athletics. I think my... Yeah, you know, that's just oh, what it said. And I thought, that uh, doesn't look right. <laughs> Yeah, I think my marathon was like 400th overall and there was like like 1700 finishers. Yeah. So, like top 25% I guess. Uh and yeah, my my run is my strong suit. My biking is actually my weak point, which I knew last year in the half Ironman and I was trying to put in um you know, more effort on the bike with, you know, the long bike rides and the brick workouts, but uh I guess my bike will always be my weak point.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I was going to say for most of us who are runners at heart, it's usually the swim. That's the weak part, but yeah,
1: you know, that's, that is funny. I, I have put a lot of work into my swim too. So I think, I guess that's where, um, yeah, something's got to give, right?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> no well, hey that, that's really impressive though i mean uh, you spent more than seven hours on the bike for one thing so uh that, that was a long time to be out there wasn't it
1: yeah that was coming into the first lap uh i mean i was happy to just finish the first lap when you know once i started getting those like twinges in my hamstrings i thought oh man if i start cramping up i might not even get through lap one you know just like yeah struggling um And so I said, you know, just, just keep it easy on the, on the uphills and just stay steady and, you know, try to, uh, just manage my, my pace and my, my nutrition. So like every 20 minutes I was, you know, checking my watch to take, you know, some salt tablets, um, take some, you know, take some water in right? and, and, you know, so like just, uh, make sure that everything was, was continuing to, uh, just maintain my uh my plan my nutrition plan throughout the race um but going you know into the race you know i had you know this idea of nutrition and you know all my training was you know lining up you know i put in probably you know six months at least of training uh yeah going into going into lake placid and you know i'm mostly competitive with myself obviously i want to try to finish like as high on you know, the rankings that's possible, but, um, you know, I I just want to do the best I can. And just over two weeks before the race, I was out for a training ride with a friend and, you know, it was a flat road we were on, you know, right by a farm in Pennsylvania and, um, you know, sunny day wasn't wet or anything. And, uh, we were, he was leading, I was behind him and, uh, I guess, Maybe he was kind of blocking my sight a little bit, but there was a dirt patch that I went over and maybe I was like moving my, you know, my bike a little bit and my front tire hit the dirt patch and just slid out Ooh. and I landed pretty hard on my left side. So like my left ankle hit my left hip. My, um, I, I think I put my arm out. So my lat hit the ground and then my arm here.
0: Yeah. You still got you some s- bruising there.
1: Yeah, so that's I so I'd get stitches here. This is pretty much a scar at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh and then my right hand, I don't know if it hit the ground or hit the handlebars, but you know, I probably just put my arms out as a reaction and my arm, my finger was just bent yeah. like unnaturally. And I was like, Oh man, it's not what I need two weeks before the race. So No, was, not at
0: all. <laughs> Did you dislocate that I, thumb, or so uh, I
1: knew it yeah. was dislocated. So oh. I didn't know if it was broken or dislocated, but it you know it hurt a lot, and uh, so I was worried about my thumb. My friend was worried about my arm because it was just like kind of gushing blood. So he was taking my water <laughs> bottles, and you right. know, trying to clean out clean out any dirt or gravel, and uh, so we still had eight miles left in the bike ride we had met, we had driven our cars and met at a, a parking lot of an ice cream place. And so, you know, there's some hills that we had to ride up. So like shifting, you know, was, you know, quite difficult. Just like my whole hand was, uh, my whole hand, but you know, this, this area was kind of swollen right. uh, and tender. So, you know, I was like, put my whole body into shifting and braking. And uh, so we make it back to the the parking lot and you know, he helps me rack my bike on the back of my car, and he's like, you know, do you need anything? Do i want me to drive you to the emergency room or urgent care? And uh Urgent care wouldn't even take me because they were like, yeah, you, you need to go to the hospital. Uh, but <laughs> oh, before I, gonna, oh, I went... Oh, you even
0: went. I mean, you're not like, ah, I'm an endurance athlete. I'll, I'll just go home and put some ice on it.
1: <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for the thumb, that's what I was worried about.
0: Right. Uh, so...
1: You know, we parked at the ice cream place, so I said, "Well, before I drive myself to the oh, yeah, emergency you gotta, you gotta room, I <laughs> gotta get some ice cream." So <laughs> right. I'm standing in the ice cream shop, and my arm is the, the blood is kind of dried up at this point, but you know, it's still pretty open. And there's a dad sitting with his two daughters, like right next, to, like the the line where I'm looking at the menu, figuring out what I want to order. And he, I could just like feel their eyes on me. Like, Oh my God, what happened to him? (laughs) And so I turned over, I saw them looking at me and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, but you know, I'll get it checked out and see what it is. And he's like, I hope everything's okay. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll I'll try not to
0: to, uh, drip on your kids, uh, drip blood on your kids, ice cream cone. But other than that, I'm great. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So after my mint chocolate chip ice cream, uh, I drove my you know stick shift car, which you know right handed. Oh, perfect! Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was fun, and uh, so yeah. So they yeah, I was there in the ER for five hours. They you know did X rays on everything that was seemed like it might be uh, injured, and so you know had a, like a ankle sprain, you know dislocated thumb. So that when they were relocating it. They actually fractured it, which is called an avulsion fracture. Yeah. So a piece of the bone like went with the ligament as they were like pulling on it. Right. Which apparently is normal. Yeah, it is.
0: Ah, man. man."
1: (laughs) So a few days after the, you know, I left the hospital, I went to the orthopedic doctor to have them look at my thumb. And so they made this cool splint. It's made of plastic and they were able to like mold it to my thumb. And and they said you know you can do everything you know there's no restrictions you know like you were saying with your your foot uh once you get your stitches out no restrictions but hopefully so I yeah. said yep yeah so I, I you know it's like holding my breath asking like yo can I do my race <laughs> right of course you know, right. first priority and here so yeah exactly and uh so he 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 said yes you can as long as you have your splint on you can do anything you want. Um, So nice. That was that was good, and you know, this was still pretty open at the time. I did you know a test swim in the pool with it, and it was kind of getting a little bit like gooey. And I was like, oh, not you know. I mean, they but they said you know the the worst that is going to happen with this once the stitches come out is this is going to be you know a bad scar. Yeah, which is like okay, I can live with that. Sure, you know, (laughs) got plenty of those already. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, what great timing uh, though to the whole thing though, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, given given the um, the fall that I had, the crash, and you know just the the difficulty of the course, I should have just thrown out any like time goals I had and just like done what I could to enjoy the race. But you know, that's not really my nature. No,
0: it's not your wiring, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was like, you know, my benchmark and, uh, and you know, it's just the, the, the mountains in the area, you know, there's like Whiteface mountain there and there's, you know, like the, you know, like Placid is the, the site of like the 1932 and 1980 Olympics. So there's like a lot oh, of yeah. cool, like Olympic Olympic things to look at as you're, you know, on the, on the race course and, you know, streams and lakes. And uh, so, you yeah, know, just like the beauty of the, the environment, you know, made the, the suffering a lot better.
0: Yeah, no, you're not gonna not do a race in a place like that because of little flesh wounds, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it reminds me. Uh, 2019, I ran the Leadville 100, and I had several issues with my feet that year, but um, none of uh, uh, none or what was it, but not the least of them was three weeks before the race. Kind of similar to you, though. In this case, I was snorkeling in the Azores which are a volcanic island chain in the North Atlantic, Portuguese possession. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. place. But um, I slipped and my heel hit on one of those volcanic rocks. And I put about a dime-sized hole in the bottom of my left foot. And so um, after I came home, I saw a, a wound specialist and she kind of did a Hail Mary wound healing thing and did the best we could. And then, you know, the day before the race, she said, well, we've, we've done all we can. We're just going to cover it now in super glue. And there you go. So, wow. uh, yeah. So I went up and- uh, So it held? It held. Um, I, I got cut off. I, uh, I I just went up with the attitude. I'm just going to have the best time I possibly can. I'm going to enjoy this going to push myself as hard as I can get as far as I can. And, and I did, I, I succeeded in that. Like I say, I didn't get to the finish line, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, d- I literally didn't even have a good place for my foot to land that whole race because, you know, I already had other issues and then my heel had a hole in it. So, oh, well, sure. Yeah. But great timing again.
1: Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. For a big event like that.
0: Yeah. So for those who are just listening, uh, Mike's got a nice uh, black bandage on his thumb here still, uh, what, four weeks later, right? Yeah.
1: At this point, yeah, it's just over four weeks.
0: Right. All right. So
1: this will be – I go back to the ortho this Friday, and they will say uh, if it needs to come off. I think it. it's too soon. I, I've done, a, like, a couple test bends with it or, like, maybe not even – on purpose, like if if it it's off, like if I'm in the shower or something, and then you know, I get right. out of the shower and like I bang it on something, I'm like Ooh. Yeah. it's not healed yet.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so uh, probably a few more weeks, but
0: yeah, I mean, I, I guess they'll have you do therapy on that. You know, maybe they'll the, the, probably the modern uh, version of therapy for that now is tell you to play on a video game controller or something. Yeah, right. Get it back in shape. <laughs> So, uh, that's off the
1: old Xbox.
0: Yeah, I guess. Did you have any, um, like kidney related issues though, during the race? I mean, then anything that was adverse or uh, no, nothing was great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, so the race, you know, it was 13 hours and, uh, I mean, ever since the donation, you know, two years ago, I haven't had any issues with, uh, yeah, the kidneys at all. Um, there was, a little bit of concern last year uh i donated blood in early early in the year last year and i uh i got uh a letter from the the company i donated to saying oh thank you for your recent donation however you're not going to be allowed to donate with us for two years because we found this tick-borne illness in your blood uh, not not Lyme's disease, but it's called it something else called babesiosis, and, um, and so they said, like, you know, you can go get it checked out at your local, like, infectious disease doctor or, <laughs> you know. I didn't have any symptoms. I mean, uh, apparently their symptoms can be pretty severe. Um, but so I went to the infectious disease doctor, and it was some trace of it in my blood at that time. So he said, you know, we can put you on antibiotics, but, you know, since you're not, ex- since you don't have any symptoms, you can just wait and see, you know, test you again in a couple of weeks, see if it goes down, like the level of yeah. whatever it was in my, uh, so that, yeah, I just waited two weeks and got more blood work and uh, it was either going down or completely gone at that point. So I didn't need any treatment, but I reported this to my kidney coordinator and said like hey uh i don't know if this is relevant i don't know like how long i've had this in my system uh but you know just letting you know that you know this was found and you know i don't know if you need to contact the recipient at all to make sure that they're okay and they said well i don't know if they would have tested for this like when i did my whole Yeah, that's what I was wondering if donation. they would have
0: detected it before. Right.
1: So, you know, it's entirely possible that this would have um came about, you know, right. in the months after my donation. You know, I was out for a run or a hike or something, and you know, I got this, but didn't realize it. But they then had to report it to the CDC, and then the C D C went back to them and said, you know, like they had like a whole like checklist of questions. Yeah and then they got back to back to me asking me if I like what treatment I had if I was hospitalized I was like oh. no didn't and know I had nothing. It. right yeah yeah exactly so How weird. Um, that was kind of funny
0: yeah no doubt yeah it's, <laughs> I guess when you are a organ recipient I guess you just you get whatever that donor passes along to you yeah
1: yeah so I guess you know that's they they do a very in depth uh, screening process uh right. as i mentioned before with you know family history and uh you know they ask questions about like you know if i drink or smoke and you know if i do drink how many drinks i have in a day or a week and you know if i ever had blackouts and you know, right <laughs> things like that and um yeah I tried to be as truthful as possible,
0: yeah I was gonna out. say I, I lie anytime they ask about blackouts, but yeah yeah, <laughs> oh man like, I don't I don't remember, yeah, so uh, just um, jumping back at me when you did that um half iron man outside of Montreal, um you had no issues with kidneys or anything like that then, right?
1: yeah, you're right, so that was less than a year after my donation yeah. and um yeah, there's no issues at all um, yeah, and then, you know it's same thing I you know same you know same thing as and similar to, to Lake Placid. I, you know, trained as hard as I could for that race. I uh pushed myself as hard as I could and you know did okay. Uh came a little short of my my time goal, but um it was funny in the bike the, the bike course is like a big out and back and going out I felt like I was barely pedaling and I was going like 24 miles an hour and I was like, man, this feels like easy. I must be feeling like really good, but I was getting passed by like dozens <laughs> of people. I'm like, man, these are really good bikers. And then we turn around at the turnaround point and we go back. I'm doing like 10 miles an hour because now I'm in a headwind. Yeah. Before I had a tailwind, that was, you know, felt easy. And now we we'll come back and there's the headwind. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I should have rode the headwind. A, I mean, the tailwind a little, a little harder. So that, yeah, but, um, yeah so needless to say, my bike leg was a little slow that day, but yeah, uh, had a pretty decent run leg, so kind of evened out
0: all right, very cool well let's jump forward, um not quite as far as Lake Placid, but to Leadville um i i'm not, I don't even recall how we met each other i guess i we just started talking before the race um yeah, I, sure I,
1: we were yeah just hanging out before the race, and uh, you seemed like a friendly guy, so I think we just struck up a conversation you were wearing a a volunteer shirt, I believe.
0: Oh, yeah. That was uh, kind of the uniform du jour. But, uh, yeah, I tend to be the uh, person who yaps with anybody around. And, uh, um, yeah, I was supposed to run the race and couldn't because of my foot. And then, uh, I don't know, somehow we started talking about, you know, your your whole kidney story and everything. And, uh, you know, yeah, you seemed like a good guy and everything. And then I was working at the finish line. And and then, like, you came across and I'm like, holy crap, you did really well. I mean, you were actually 11th overall, which – um, yeah, I mean, not not only your whole kidney thing, but uh, coming from Flatland up to to Leadville, that's uh, pretty damn impressive. And, uh, uh, but describe the race. I <laughs> Thank mean, you. it was a, a crappy, crappy day, as as you well know, uh, better than I do, even.
1: The the year before, I think the conditions were hot and uh, the visibility was really good, so I was lo- really looking forward. You know, I've done one race in Leadville before, the fifty miler and i was i remember that day the you know views were incredible just the mountains around me i was like oh man this is awesome so i was really looking forward to that again and you know just before the race i will early on in the the day like maybe uh six o'clock or six thirty in the morning the uh down in the town of bledville is actually pretty clear the like the visit, you could see the mountains surrounding mountains. It was, uh, you know, you know, pretty. And, uh, but pretty, pretty soon the the clouds rolled in, it started raining and, and then the, we got notified that the course got rerouted because of snow at the higher elevations. Uh, I think the race was supposed to go up to 13,000 feet at mosquito pass. Right. And they needed to like reroute it so that it went, yeah you know, to a lower elevation where there was less snow, and
0: well, you didn't know that and, before that morning
1: uh I mean, maybe I found out like the day before, but yeah, okay, was, I was gonna say because they, uh, they announced
0: it a day or two before, yeah, I mean basically, we had so much snow out here this winter, and uh, there have been a lot of years where you know they've had crews up there shoveling mosquito pass, I still it blows my mind how they how that job must go, because um not only is that like you know sometimes there's like taller than a human. Walls of snow up there, but they're working at high elevation where I'm sure every shovelful you're like, okay, take another break, okay. And yeah, I'm sure they bring right. machinery up and whatnot, but um, yeah, they just couldn't clear the snow this year, uh, regardless of the fact uh, the weather went to hell that day. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So for for people who don't know, Leadville, the town of Leadville is at 10,000 feet elevation, and you know, so within a couple miles, I think we got above. 11,000 feet and i think that's when the snow started right um i don't think it was hailing at all during the race maybe later but uh so it was you know at first it was kind of cool it was like oh this is you know snow flurries and um but then as the race was going on the the ground was kind of like mucky muddy in certain parts and um I guess maybe from the last time I did lead, uh, any, any Leadville race, I forgot how rocky it can be. Oh yeah. Because as we were going up towards the turnaround, you know, it's like a fairly steep climb and, you know, it's like very rocky and narrow. So there's people going up on one side, coming down on the other, and you gotta navigate you know, the rocks that you're going over. So that was, oh, yeah. you know, pretty tricky. And, uh, and so I'm going up, it wasn't mosquito pass, but whatever the you know the the turnaround point was, and I'm looking around hoping you know get you know some amazing views, and of course, you know with the weather, there <laughs> right. were no views at all, so that was you know kind of disappointing um but I remember there was uh a few females uh that I was like trying to keep pace with, so they were doing an awesome job running the uphills, and I would walk the uphills. So they would pass me and then, you know, kind of level out and I would sort of catch up to them, maybe pass them a little bit. And the next next uphill, they would go and I would stay back. And so we kind got like a little bit of a cat and mouse there.
0: Yeah, you, and- an- you anecdotally observed what I've always observed. And I don't know, I've never seen any scientific studies done on this, but... Women, for some reason, can just maintain that steady metronome-like pace yeah. at high altitudes, and men, we're like, you know, as you're saying, you're yo-yoing back and forth. And I don't know if it's because we've got more ego involved here, and um, I, I just, I yeah. simply, I don't have that low gear. But I do when I'm at a high elevation race, I, I do try to get behind a woman, not because I'm some kind of wretch, but it's because, <laughs> you know, it's because they can maintain that steady pace. Stay pace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah, as you mentioned, I crossed the finish line. You know, pretty decent place. Uh, I think I got eleventh, and um yeah, I was just happy to be done. My legs were kind of screaming at that point. You know, yeah. downhills are almost as hard as uphills, and uh and so I'm you know just standing near, near the finish line. And I'm seeing all these people cross the finish line with bloody knees and shins, and oh yeah, uh, you know I guess. People falling because of you know the, the rockiness and stuff like that. So I was just happy not have fallen uh, or done any like any damage at that point. You know the yeah you the went, other damage. Yeah, was you come went later. for the bike
0: ride for that, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, no. Exactly. I mean, uh, I knew quite a few people who were running that day, and the pictures they took of it was just a muck fest. I mean, it was it was so muddy, and uh, yeah, I saw a lot of hey there, there's your daughter. Yeah.
1: Huh. Hi, sweetie. <laughs>
0: You, you, you want to speak for the uh, podcast here? Tell everybody what your name is.
1: What's your name?
0: <laughs> we got the shy one here. All right. Do you have Do what? you have a name? This <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Oh well, <laughs> shy one there. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it was it was such a mess up there. I, I just And, yeah, I saw a lot of blood coming across the finish line there. It was impressive. Everybody who finished that race, I mean, uh, you know, I heard stories about it. At some point, it got really windy up there and, you know, it was just snowing sideways. And it, it was miserable at the finish line, so I can't even imagine how ugly it was up top there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the crowd support and the aid stations and the volunteers were really awesome that day. So definitely made a a big difference yeah in terms of the 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 bike crash and my family was sort of i mean they were concerned about me of course uh i called my mom because gabby was at camp that day and uh she was like hey sweetie is everything okay and i was like well no not really yeah and uh and so she (laughs) she was a little bit worried about me but uh that kind of brought back memories for her from when I was a kid, I had a couple more serious bicycle accidents. And so I think, you know, some of my family members might've been like, Oh, not again.
0: Yeah. Always causing trouble. But, All right.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> those were, you know, a little bit more serious. I, you know, had a couple comas between the ages of 11 and 14, you know, so I was in the hospital for like a couple of weeks for each of those incidents. And,
0: uh, that explains so why you want to do me- races like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah a little, a little
1: bit a few screws loose right
0: yeah yeah wow all right so so what's next for you, Mike?
1: Um, so oh. we got the baby coming next month, so that's the yeah, big right, the big thing next, uh and then the next race, I'm hoping I don't know if it's gonna be next year or the year after, but the Leadville hundred, all right. That's the the next bucket list item.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. Well, um, maybe I'll see you out there next year. I've deferred my entry from this year to 2024 and, uh, I, I was at cross-country practice the next day after my surgery. I told the kids, I said, wow. surgery is not an excuse to practice." And I also <laughs> told them, and I was out there, I did all the exercises, post-run exercises with the kids, you know, the, the core work and, you know, all the other leg stuff and everything we do. And I told them, I said, this is day one for me of training for Leadville Trail 100 2024. So...
1: Awesome. Well, you're setting a good example for
0: him. Well, hopefully. Or they just think, oh, my God, this coach we got (laughs) is nuts. (laughs)
1: He's a crazy one.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, hopefully I'll see you out there in 24 or 25, whichever. Um, Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, Gabby, you excited to be getting a little brother or sister there? She's rather interested in the AirPods case instead.
1: (laughs) Are you excited for Snowball? Yeah. Yeah. She named the baby Snowball.
0: Excellent. I like it. (laughs) snowball kennedy just rolls right off the tongue (laughs) yeah do you know if it's a boy or a girl yet girl okay all right you're getting a little sister gabby a little little snowball of a sister that's cool yeah yeah well excellent uh what would you tell people though who are considering uh uh, giving a a kidney transplant or or any other kind of organ donation
1: yeah i mean I, i guess everyone has to assess their own uh situation um it's definitely like a worthwhile experience and endeavor to undertake It is life-changing for not only for the recipient but for me as well you know knowing that i help somebody else in literally a life-changing way uh is very fulfilling for me yeah and you know people might think that they that their might their life might be affected by it in a negative way but it's the exact opposite your life will be affected right. but for the better
0: yeah no that that's totally awesome yeah thank you thank <laughs> yeah, you yeah she's got the the case <laughs> um yeah no that that's, that's really awesome and and you're right it uh, it is nothing but a positive impact out there in the world so Um, If people are interested in donating, do you know where they can uh, get to resources online or anything like that?
1: Yeah, the organization that I donated to uh, or through um, was the National Kidney Registry. Okay. And I mean, the specific hospital where I donated was Wheel Cornell Medical Center um, in New York. Okay. Uh, The name is actually much longer. It's like a wheel.
0: Yeah. Whoever donated money to the hospital, right? New York
1: Presbyterian. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Medical center. But uh, yeah, I had a very positive experience there. The whole team was, uh, you know, very professional. And, um, you know, the nurses I had afterwards in the recovery process, you know, made my time very comfortable there and, um, you know, got me back on my feet really quickly
0: and yeah the fact you're running again in four weeks that that's uh, just incredible
1: yeah and you know no no physical therapy was needed afterwards just kind of take it easy not lift heavy things like so i couldn't lift gabby for four weeks after the (laughs) surgery so she was like always complaining about that but
0: yeah she understood i think dad you're a wuss come on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah well that's great uh, so if people want to follow you uh through uh snowball and uh and the uh, other races you do there um uh, obviously if they search for mike kennedy they may have some trouble there so where where else where can they actually find you out there
1: so uh on instagram on my name is xc mike k okay and then Yeah, on Facebook, I'm Mike Kennedy, so very generic.
0: All right. How are they going to separate you from the other Mike Kennedys? Just look for the one in Bethlehem, PA, I guess?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, okay. Uh, It's funny. When I lived in Washington, uh, I was on North 18th Street, uh, like 4001 North 18th Street. Michael Kennedy, that was me. And then 4001 North 12th Street was a different Michael Kennedy. (laughs) They <laughs> so would always get each other's like mail and packages. And- oh
0: yeah. Well That's you know it's funny. funny. When I when I moved to Denver back in 1981, there was another Bill Stahl who and I lived on East Evans Avenue and or East Harvard Avenue. I'm sorry. There was actually a Bill Stahl who lived on West Harvard Avenue. And oh, wow. and I would get phone calls like at all hours. I knew this guy's whole life. I knew that he went to the University of Illinois. I knew his wife's name, where she worked, just because of all the phone calls I used to get. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, what are the odds on that one? But yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, I, I will put your uh, contact stuff in the National Kidney Registry in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Um, awesome. And, uh, really appreciate your time. I know we had a little uh, fun trying to get the uh, timing on this arranged here, but I really yeah, appreciate Yeah, I'm
1: glad we finally figured it out. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on today, Bill. I enjoyed uh, sharing this conversation
0: absolutely and uh enjoy uh keeping in touch with you here in the future and uh you know like say next time you come out to leadville or run in colorado let me know you got a great colorado shirt on already though. So i Daddy? yeah that's pretty cool the, my first shirt's from there so yeah it's vintage
1: Mommy's on. Mommy's
0: on um, oh very nice <laughs> mommy wants you to get off the phone huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right. Well, hey, no, thank you so much for your time, Mike. This has been great, and I hope it helps some other people out there as well.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. All yeah. right, yeah, thank you, Bill. Hey, best Take of care. luck.
0: Best of luck with Snowball and, and everything else. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. That was a great chat with Mike. And once again, if you'd like to consider becoming a kidney donor, please go to kidneyregistry.org and I'll have that in the show notes as well. Thank you to Mike and thank you to all of you very much as always for listening to the We Are Superman podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you can load all new episodes onto your phone. If you enjoyed the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with your friends or on social media. And please do me a favor and take 60 seconds and give us a five-star rating on whatever platform on which you listen to us. I would also be humbly honored if you would write a review as well. These five-star ratings and reviews really do help us make more episodes and rise higher in the podcast service of search algorithms, helping more people find our show. Until next time, always be positive.